With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR. Joining me every Wednesday morning from lovely Manhattan, my boy Connor Rogers. And Connor, we have a kick-ass show today. Tell the people what they're going to get. Man, we got a lot going on and got to start with the best. That's because Rob Cordry from Ballers, from Hot Tub Time Machine, from The Daily Show, the list goes on and on. Rob is going to join me in our Manhattan studio and we'll still have Matt on, of course. So we got a lot to ask him as Ballers comes back for season four already. So pretty big accomplishment for them. And obviously HBO, we are going to start our countdown, Matt, for our top 25 NFL rookies for the season. So we're going to go 25 all the way down to 21. And of course, we're going to go around the league and answer your questions for draft on draft. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. I'm jealous that you get to be in studio with Rob and I'm stuck in Joplin. Uh, so, <laughs> such is life, though. Uh, I think, I that's think he's still going to make you laugh through the headset, though, because he has that kind of power. So, so it's my it's goal is to make Dwayne. him laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. That will, All right. That would be good. You have to get an autograph for me because uh, I'm a big old school fan. So definitely need that. But let's talk about what's going on in the NFL. Uh, I want Rob's autograph. The Rams won Aaron Donald's. They just want him to sign that damn contract, man. Like the holdout continues. We are recording this when uh, Tuesday comes out Wednesday morning. If Aaron Donald does not report Tuesday, the Rams can void this year on his contract, which would make him a restricted free agent at the end of the season instead of an unrestricted. If you're new to the podcast, kind of new to the NFL world, you're like, what does that matter? And it's huge because an unrestricted free agent is that they're unrestricted. They could go wherever they want. A restricted free agent, the Rams could basically say, hey, we're going to put a first round tender on you uh, and we have the right to first refusal. And anyone who wants to sign you, uh, we would get a first round pick in exchange and they have the right. They can match any contract offer that he were to get. So it's just becoming a messy situation. But today, as we're recording is a pretty big deadline moment. And I know Adam Schefter and others came out and said, hey, there's, there's no change here. No, he's not going to be in, in camp on Tuesday. So we're looking at Aaron Donald becoming a restricted free agent. Yeah, it's insane. And a lot of people are probably sitting there saying, well, damn, you would think the Rams have a lot of leverage then when that kicks in. Guess what? Joke's on them because Aaron Donald has the leverage for one reason. This is a team trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And he is the best football player on that team. So when it comes down to it, they need Aaron Donald back. You went out and you got Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, Nadamakin Sue. You gave Todd Gurley a ton of money. You gave Brandon Cooks a ton of money. Jared Goff, your quarterback, was a former number one overall pick. You have one of the best, if not the best, young head coaches in all of football. The aspirations this year are Super Bowl. And if you don't have the most disruptive defensive player in the league on the field, that vanishes. It's as simple as that. So it, it, he can wait this thing out as long as he wants. The guy has to get paid eventually. And something we've talked about before with Khalil Mack, who's also holding out in Oakland, is, okay, do you just try to trade him? Like, dude, it's you. Maybe if you're at the point in that relationship between owner and player or team and player where it's never going to be 
harmonious. So do you just try to get a return on investment? I want to ask you the same thing, and I'll, I'll give my answer too. If you're the Rams, you have Indomitian Sue, you have Michael Brockers. Do you try to trade Aaron Donald? Man, no. And, and I'll tell you why, Matt. He's it, There's probably, what, five unique defensive players in the league where what they do is it, just you can't repeat that across the board. And, and Von Miller and Khalil Mack are two of those guys because of their complete game on the edge. Aaron Donald might be more unique than anyone because of what he does from the interior. We talk so much about Ed Oliver maybe being the best college player in college football or one of the best prospects in college football. Aaron Donald's the finished product of what Ed Oliver, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is this is the guy that changes everything because he can get after the quarterback from the inside, which is the quickest route to the passer. So and here's the thing, he's he just turned 27 in the offseason. He's not an older guy. He's got at least three to four great years left. I just I just can't get... I mean, maybe they've offered him a ton of money and we don't know it, but you got to find a way to get this one done because he's just he's not an asset you can move because he figures into the long-term goal so importantly that is the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, that, and that's my thing. I would say don't try to trade him. It, I was going to bring up his age, and it's interesting that you did too. One thing that I've heard talking to people around the league, because I, I love to just throw these, like, I remember last year I was doing the, hey, would you trade for Andrew Luck? And they were all like, yeah, but the Colts yep. won't trade him. So, sure. Uh, I've done that a couple times this summer of, hey, what would you give up for Khalil Mack? What would you give up for Aaron Donald? And I think it was uh, two nights ago I was talking to someone, and he actually said, you know, Donald, he's already 27, and, you know, teams do these studies of, like, where is the breaking point? And for most players now, other than quarterbacks, it's 30. And so they're like, you probably, yeah. like you said, you have three to four more good more years, potentially great years. He's averaging 10 sacks a season. But where's the drop off? And so I think that factors into how you pay him of you're not going to give him, you know, 12 million over six years or, or 12 million per for six years or 15 million no per for six years. This is a dude that's going to be on a, a four, maybe five year with a team option contract. So there's a lot that goes into it. But uh, I, I've said before, I will stick by it. I think he's the best defensive player in football and he should be paid like it. So hopefully they get that one done. Yeah. And I think it comes when it comes down to it, if you have to spike the guarantees, then go that route. If you don't want to be paying him once he hits the 30 mark, give him three years, fully guaranteed. Yeah. I I know that's hard. Exactly. I know that's like easy for me to sit here and say, but I mean, it's, you got to get this done. I, I love this Rams team and I love everything about the way they built this Rams team. But yeah. this one, and they did the smart thing by trading Alec Ogletree. They got rid of guys with big cap hits in recent years. That's but what I was going to say. The and, salary cap is yeah. such a myth, man. It's going to go up again next year. So the contract you give a guy right now doesn't matter next year because you have so much more cap space. And it's interesting to watch him and Mac play this game almost of like cat and mouse because you know the first guy to get paid is going to get less because the next guy is just going to ask for more. They're all going to want to be the right. highest paid defensive player in the league. Now, with the Raiders, I, I do think Khalil Mack comes back eventually. I don't think it's a Donald situation where he's just going to sit until he's paid. And, and it's another situation where it's a guy that deserves to be paid. And I, I did see the rumors this week that they should listen to offers. I, From what I've heard, they are not interested in doing that. I wouldn't. Uh, and I really wouldn't. Uh, he's just he's too dynamic. And, and they have something special if they can get him on the field. They also have, I mean, you look at the roster, and I know Wade Phillips is probably the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, but... It's Sue, Donald, and Brockers. They don't have a true edge guy. 
So they're really counting on being able to move Aaron Donald around and find different matchups. So I think they they have to be aware of that when trying to figure out what to do with him. Uh, one more guy holding out, not Khalil Mack, he is, but Roquan Smith still holding out. And uh, I do local radio in Chicago every week. Uh, a, fi- a lot of friends up there. You know, I was jumping on the table for them to hire Matt Nagy. That's my guy. And they draft Roquan Smith, and they can't figure out how to work out the language around any type of suspensions or fines. Should he be suspended by the league for this new targeting rule that we saw uh, in the Bears preseason opener? It, it got enforced kind of at a ridiculous level. Uh, yeah, once again, we've discussed this a lot on Twitter and a little bit on here. I just think the Bears are wrong. I think that Roquan's agent is doing the right thing by protecting him against a rule that we don't know how it's going to play out. And when you're a top 10 pick, you deserve your guaranteed money to be simply guaranteed. No ifs, ands, buts around it. And it stinks because now there's, I, you know, this is what always crushes me with these things. I, and I know for fans, it's frustrating. But at the same time, a lot of people are like, he could change this by telling his agent to just get it done. Or if he wanted to be out there, he would. Roquan Smith is one of the most high-character players in last year's draft class. There is no question that it's killing him inside to not be with the Bears. But he simply can't take that kind of risk. It's not fair at the linebacker position to have the potential of those guarantees voiding out. Yeah, I agree, man. And I've reached out on both sides. Um, It's interesting we're talking about these two guys, um, Roquan Smith and Aaron Donald. They're both rep by CAA, and I've seen I've had fans on Twitter say this is just what CAA does. They did it with same with Joey Bosa, with Darnold. That they're just trying to uh, basically create a precedent, you know, draw a line in the sand and say, hey, this is we're going to change the game here. If so, I think that's their job for their player, uh, you know, is to say if Roquan Smith looks at his contract and says, hey, I'm going to bust some dudes up. I'm probably going to get fined. Probably going to get suspended. Uh, Got to help me out. I, I get it. And the game is changing. And you got to protect yourself as a player because guess what? Those teams will not take care of you. The, the, uh, sec- the, th- the second yeah. you're not valuable anymore, your ass is gone. So exactly get your right. money while you can. Get it while you can. The NFL PA was given so little in the last CBA that if they're fighting for every potential inch they can still get, do it. Why not? You got jobbed in the deal originally with the way NFL contracts are set up. Yep. So I understand trying to protect these guys. It's and it's frustrating because the rookie wage scale was invented to really prevent these rookie. It's not a holdout because they're not they're not under contract, but getting them into camp right away. Yeah. So the last thing you and I wanted to talk about is the Corey Coleman trade traded for (laughs) a 2020 2020 seventh round pick. To the Buffalo Bills. The only thing that, worse than this is when you do the conditional seventh round. Pick. Yes, the Hackenberg is what the we hack, call that. Yeah, where it's like we just want to see him for a week the and then roster. Cut him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just want to get a look at him. Um, I have a lot it, of you know thoughts what? on Corey Coleman. Yeah, now. I know you. You know what? Take the floor because I know you had thoughts about that regime, and this right. is this is almost like the closing a chapter here. Yes. Can we just find, can all you guys out there who were Sashi Brown disciples and believers because you were good at math in high school. Can you finally just admit that they were wrong and they didn't know how to draft? Like it's great to accumulate assets, but guess what? You traded out of Carson Wentz for Corey Coleman and Deshaun Kaiser. Neither of those dudes are on the roster anymore. It's embarrassing. And hindsight is always perfect. It always is. They could have just stayed where they were 
and had Carson Wentz and Michael Thomas right now. Instead, they took Corey Coleman and Deshaun Kaiser. It's embarrassing. And I know there were some other pieces that came in through that trade. And maybe Miles Garrett becomes the best defensive end of football. And we're talking about this differently. Maybe Denzel Ward, the guy they picked this year at number four as part of that trade. Maybe he becomes the next Darrell Revis. And four years from now, this trade looks very differently. But you still had to draft a quarterback this year at number one. And you still don't have it. I mean, you had to pay Jarvis Landry. It, it's just embarrassing how badly they played it. And I think it's very telling that when you bring in respected guys like John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf, that they look at this roster and say, shit, we got to get rid of these guys. And for Corey Coleman, I've dealt with it on Twitter for two days. People telling me, well, he played for the Browns. What did you expect? If he had played for these other teams, he would be better. Playing for the Saints like Michael Thomas is not going to make Corey Coleman understand the fucking snap count, which he kept getting wrong, or lining up just in the right spot of the formation. And this is stuff coming to me from people in that building, players as well, of, man, what went down there? Well, the guy doesn't know the playbook, and it's year three. Like, that's a problem. And so I hope it's a wake-up call for Corey Coleman, but it all this perfectly matches up with the stuff we heard about him coming out of Baylor was that it was going to be very hard for him to learn a playbook and acclimate to the NFL because he's he ran three routes in college, and he lined up in the same spot every time. And, and it's not like Hugh Jackson's running the most sophisticated offense in the world, but it, it's just it's crazy to me that people are defending the Browns still when it's so clear they messed this up. That's the thing. People are trying to defend the player, and they're trying to defend why it didn't work for reasons around the player, not because of the player. But at the end of the day, Matt, you could speak to this even more. How many teams had Corey Coleman as a first-round player? I didn't. I don't know one that did. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when you Top talk about... Top 20. Yeah, right. When it's you have 15 or 16 first-round players, I don't know anyone that did. Yeah, and he went in the top 20. And I, I've been vocal about this. I do think this Browns regime, which I loved their draft, starting with Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, you know, obviously Nick Chubb. There was a ton of players that they got on day two. I really think they turned it around. But before this regime, the return on their investments was a nightmare. It started with the Trent Richardson trade, which they ended up getting a first round pick back for. (laughs) They used that first to go up and get Johnny Manziel. They traded Barkevius Mingo, a top 10, former top 10 pick for a fifth round pick. Justin Gilbert, they dumped for a sixth round pick. Danny Shelton and a fifth round pick. They got back a third. And then Cam Irving, they got back a fifth. Those were all first round guys early. Embarrassing. And then a seventh for Corey Coleman. I think all those players I just named went in the top 20. And people want to know, why do you guys shit on the Browns? Other teams, the Vikings took Laquan Treadwell. The Redskins took Josh Doxon. Why are you guys picking on the Browns? Because you've won one game in two years. That's why we're picking on you. Because Well, I think, yeah. And your front office thought they were reinventing the wheel. They were so cocky about, this is Moneyball coming to the NFL. We're going to trade back and accumulate picks. It's like at baseball, sometimes you got to stand in the fucking batter's box and take your swings. And the Browns just felt like they were always too afraid to swing the bat. Like they That's didn't exactly want right. to miss on a top five quarterback. So they kept trading back. And they could have had Carson Wentz. They could have had Deshaun Watson. Like they could have had Pat Mahomes. And I hope Baker works out. I really do because I'm a fan. But it's a new regime making that pick for a reason. Yeah. And I think the back to the Browns thing, it's not intentionally shitting on the Browns. The point. When we made this podcast, I think one of our goals of many, but one of the main ones 
was to discuss team building from behind the scenes. Right. To you guys, the listeners. And the Browns, there's a lot of other teams that are really bad at it or have been bad at it. My New York Jets, before the Mike <laughs> McCagnon regime, My were, a, were a nightmare at drafting more often than not. But the Browns are the perfect example for us to show what not to do. And I think they're not going to be the example going forward. But before this 2018 draft, they were our perfect example of what not to do. All right, guys, as promised, before we talk to Rob Cordry, we're going to start our top 25 NFL rookies countdown for the 2018 season. It's I, I'm looking at the list. Me and Matt are very different. This was tough. I, Matt, I was telling you, I had to sit and start at one and go to 25 and write out the whole thing. Same here. I got just, the legal pad, buddy. Start yeah, writing them down. It's tough because it's how you value the offensive line picks. Like everybody's hyped about the skill player picks. So I, I'm going to start with a skill player. I know you are too. Number 25 for me is Cortland Sutton. He is penciled in as the Broncos number three wide receiver. And more importantly, I think he's going to be a red zone specialist this year. And when you're playing with Case Keenum, that could lead to a lot of touchdowns. I think for a rookie, I think Cortland Sutton can go out there and catch maybe five, six touchdowns right away for a number three wide receiver. It, it, Chris Harris had a really good quote about how raw Sutton's game is right now, but he's like, man, when it comes to the 50, 50 ball, he's got it as good as the best in the league. So I think that was really promising Chris, who's been a guest on this podcast, the guy tells it how it is. Yeah, he does. It's as simple as that. <laughs> love, so. love Chris. And that's a very good pick. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but Cortland Sutton might pop up on my list uh, uh, as we get down down <laughs> into the, the the lower numbers. So, again, we're going with rookie impact. So, not fantasy impact, but how they're going not to affect career. their teams. Not best career. And some of these guys, uh, I'll, spoiler alert, Baker Mayfield doesn't make my top 25. He's not expected to start. So totally fair take. It's about what what we expect right away, and that's why Carryon Johnson's number twenty five for me. I think he is going to have a a very big impact at running back in that Detroit Lions backfield. They needed someone like him, and I think we saw in their drafts last year and this year, uh, really that they're going to dedicate themselves to a power run game. You draft Frank Ragno in the first round, you get Tyrell Crosby in the fifth to bolster that offensive line. Now we're going to see Carryon Johnson, and he's there with guys like Theo Riddick. Amir Abdullah, uh, I like Zach Zinner, but he's a role player. I, I really do think that Carryon Johnson could be the starting running back there by week four, week five, and have a 1,000-yard type season. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I think it was nice to see the Lions go with really the sturdy guys that are, are high floor, maybe low ceiling. Like I think Ragno and Carryon Johnson are, are two of the safer players from that draft, and they went out and got both of them. So I think those are really nice, solid picks for the Lions. Mm-hmm. All right, number 24 for me. A guy that is can just blow the top off a of defense, DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. I, I do have some questions about Blake Bortles getting him the football, but in terms of just a pure vertical threat in this offense, I love DJ Chark, and I think he's going to have some splash plays this year uh, for the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I do too, man. He's going to be able to get loose, I think, with the, again, we're talking power run game. Fournette is going to get those safeties sucked up into the box, and I think there's going to be some yep. opportunities. Blake Bortles, we've never questioned his arm strength. Just his accuracy. So DJ yep. Chark, get out there and get it. I went with one of my favorite players in the entire draft at number 24, and that's Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He is penciled in to start at that middle linebacker spot. I, I talked to someone up there uh, last week working on a different story and just threw out there, hey, how's my guy Tremaine Edmonds looking? Oh, Bubba, they think he is going to be special. He's an athlete. He's going to fly around and make plays. Uh, it, what he does is a three-tool player, stopping the run, 
getting after the quarterback and playing in coverage is really special. So I might even be a little low on this. The reason I put him at 24, not higher. I mean, this, this is still a kid that we're talking about. So yeah. I'm just a little cautious about the acclimation, but they, they have a big defensive line with Kyle Williams, a star low to Lille, Harrison Phillips that hopefully they can keep him clean and he's going to get out there and make plays. Yeah, he made my top 15 just because there I have go. faith in his I have faith in his coach to set him up for success. And, and the impact or the production of linebackers as rookies can be extremely high. So I'm very excited to watch Tremaine Edmonds this year. All right, number 23 for me, a guy that we've already seen make an impact on the on an NFL field, Hayden Hurst of the Ravens. He really good dynamic receiving threat, pretty good blocker. I, I just think once again, a guy that is a really good fit for this Baltimore offense. I think Joe Flacco is going to really, uh, you know, build a rapport with him early on. And I think Hayden Hurst can have a nice little season for rookie tight ends. Looked good in the, in the preseason debut. I know that doesn't always mean anything, but he, he looks good. I mean, look, showed all the flashes we saw in college. So I, I like that pick a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with Billy Price, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I think he starts at center day one, coming back from that torn peck. He suffered uh, late uh, in the draft process. So really happy to see him healthy. And I know this has become like a theme for me, but I really do think a lot of these teams are going to try to get back to a big, bad run game. And Cincinnati, they have the guy to do it with Joe Mixon. Now they've moved around the offensive line. You trade for Cordy Glenn. You have Billy Price in there. You're going to kick Jake Fisher over to right tackle. I I think they have the right pieces to try to do this and take some pressure off Andy Dalton. Uh, So I I think Billy Price center, it's like how flashy is that? You know, it's even hard to quantify but I think just in terms of impact, he can come in and make a really big difference. Yeah, he's the type of guy Cincinnati needed. And I, I, I'm curious to see Joe Mixon's, you know, sophomore NFL season because a little underwhelming for a rookie. Maybe my expectations are just too high, but a guy like Billy Price definitely helps that out. So, all right, number 22, getting down the list here. Man, what might be the steal of the draft if he could yep. just stay healthy? Harold Landry. In Tennessee, you know, with the Rackpo missing some time, Landry's gotten a lot of reps, a lot of high-end reps in training camp for Tennessee. Me and you like that head coach down there, Mike Vrabel. So if Harold Landry can maybe have a sneaky seven to eight sacks as a rookie, that's a serious, serious impact for a second-round pick. Yep, I, I agree, man. I think Harold Landry, I actually did a podcast in Nashville yesterday and talked a lot about him because he is getting number one reps at outside linebacker opposite Derek Morgan. And you and I talked last year at times when he was healthy, and he slipped in the draft because of health concerns. When he's healthy, I thought he was the best stand-up rusher in last year's class. That's true. Bradley Chubb, obviously drafted in the top five. He's good with his hand in the dirt. Harold Landry has some like Cameron Wake-type moves where he can dip that shoulder, and they're going to put him in positions to win in that 3-4 that they're running in Nashville. So love that pick from you. 22, I went DJ Moore. And I know Kelvin Benjamin might not think Cam Newton's a very good quarterback, but I think DJ Moore is exactly what he needed with a guy who's tough over the middle, is going to be able to have a, even though he's not a big guy, he has a big catch radius because of his length. He's fearless and he has speed after the catch. And I think you can look back at, even if it was Ted Ginn, when Cam has had guys like that, he's been successful. And, and DJ Moore is not Steve Smith because no one is, but he can be a Steve Smith type player in how he's going to operate in that offense. I completely agree. Cause I think he's a guy that you get the ball in his hands and it makes life easier for everyone else. He's a guy that could take a screen 90 yards. So I think it's a weapon. And the Panthers have been really good about this. The last two drafts, getting skill guys that have speed quickness and can just do a lot in the open field for cam in that offense. So excited to watch DJ Moore this year. And I expect him to be on the field 
right away. All right, last one for me on this show, number 21. One of my favorite players in the entire draft, and with how much talent they have, I don't know how many snaps he's going to get this year, (laughs) but I think he's good enough where he wins the number three corner job. Mike Hughes in Minnesota, just a great athlete. I think technically sound, ball skills. This was your dude. You got to throw away from the rest of those guys in the Vikings defense. So if the targets come towards Hughes, maybe some on-ball production this year. I'm And I've heard really good things from camp out there, so... Let's go. Mike Hughes, a corner finding his way into my top 25 impact rookies. That is not easy to do. You want my hot take? I know you hear it. I think that Mike Hughes and Holton Hill are better than Trey Waynes and McKenzie Alexander. Whoa. Yep. Well, no, I, I, I hated Trey Waynes. Well, he's too easy. He was just not, I had a third on him, but I liked Alexander. I agree with you. I mean, I thought Holton Hill was a top, at least second round talent. Yeah. And you, you tweeted, you tweeted it best. You said, he's got to pass the piss test. It's not yeah. about what's on the field. Not at all. It's about being on the field. I thought so, he was a first rounder on the field. At, and I, I'm, I'm with you on that take. I think it's completely justified. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. All right, to what do you got to round this play. thing out? Yeah, I got Mike Gusecki, dude. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun talking about him last year, joking around about how great he was going to be. And then he goes to a team with the Miami Dolphins where they are going to use him. I, I think that he is going to have an impact um, I've seen the reports as well coming out of training camp, you know, and you want to take those with a grain of salt, but you can see consistency in things. And I think that's what we're seeing with him is, you know, he is really going to be an impact in the red zone. You guys know, if you followed the draft process, he is an excellent leaper, former volleyball and basketball player. So he's going to be able to go up there. No, he's not a blocker. Don't put him in line, but he can do a lot of the things that Evan Ingram did last year for the New York giants and do them. I think with a little more polish in the red zone, a little bit more polished as a route runner. So I'm looking for big things from Mike Gusecki. I think he and Ryan Tannehill can have a nice little connection down there in Miami. All right, everyone. Welcome back to stick to football. Me and Matt are very happy because Rob Cordry is not only joining the show. He's here with me in New York city. That's right. Season four of ballers. Cause I put in that little extra effort you and got here every time. And <laughs> flashback, Rob was at the old bleacher report office two years ago at Simpson Lefko. Yes, that's right. I, I was. Yes, I rewatched this morning. And I was. It's so that makes me. I have to ask. Season four of the show. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. When does it sink in that you have a hit show? Because you've done a lot of different stuff, and I yeah. Feel like how long does it take to know? You really, it's just like I, it, it's no different. It would just. It's when they they say it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> HBO is like this is our biggest comedy, and we were like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so we're gonna. Be so doing what do what well. do we get for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what, what do I do? I get a car? Do I get a Porsche? What, what? 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 That's awesome. Well, judging from the trailer, too, obviously the show seems to be taking on a new setting. Correct. Yeah. This season, you guys are going to be all. Is it all LA? Yep. Well, we shot uh, Miami the first two seasons. Yep. Last season, we uh, shot in LA, but but doubled it for Miami, like with a lot of green screens and stuff like okay. that. We just shot at the beach. Okay. Uh, so it looked like we pretended it was Miami. Uh, this time. Me. Yeah, right. This time <laughs> around, it's um, they just dropped all pretense. And they're like, they're in L.A. Who cares? For We just can't sports? afford these. these yeah. uh, <laughs> We're done. These green screens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's the whole, you know, Steve Levinson, um, the creator of the show, is he's the perfect example of one of those creative guys that is a great producer. 
uh, and he writes what he loves, you know, and he, um, he loves these kind of, he loves surfing. He loves skateboarding. Like he's my age. Uh, and, and he's taking lessons like skateboarding lessons and surfing lessons. So it's like, he uh, just just wrote his love into the show, and um, and it shows. I think that's why the show is so good is because um, he's writing about what he's obsessed with. So yeah, we uh, we buy a extreme sports management company. That's awesome. So and different. We're doing that. So different. Well, every you know, football is in a lot of the other stories, so yeah. you're still going to get that fix. But um, yeah, my my storyline this year is is so far from football. You just can't get rid of Terrell Suggs though. He's always hanging around. Oh, he's, I swear to God, he's probably here. Um, that <laughs> guy's the, hear him. that guy's the best. <laughs> oh, I know that guy's the best. Yeah. We'll get he him is, on next. He got home. Well, uh, you try getting a word in edgewise. I challenge you. Uh, he, um, he is, he's one of the best improvisers I've ever worked with. Well, that's something I actually, I wanted to ask you and I know Matt wants to jump in in a second here. You work with a ton of athletes making cameos. I think that actually is a small part of the show that brings popularity to it. So yeah. exciting. What's it like working with people that have never acted before? Some of them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird because they're all very good. All of them. That was not the answer I was expecting <laughs> no, to hear. I, well, it wasn't the answer I was expecting to to experience, basically. But uh, I, it was around the second season when I realized why. At least this is my theory that every Sunday, right, they go out and their job could kill them. (laughs) You know, they're most likely going to tear a muscle someday. Uh, Acting compared to that is super easy. It's just saying lines believably. The comfort level (laughs) and everything. Yeah. So I think they're nervous at the top and then they realize like, oh, this is not digging holes. And and they they ease right into it, man. That's awesome. It's that's, really not that hard. That's not actors was, will tell you it's very hard. Uh, I don't it's not. That. It's it's not hard. <laughs> Rob, I wanted to ask you, man. Uh, obviously, we're all excited for Baller season four, but I, I think most people, definitely, my first introduction to you as an actor was. I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your like breakout was old school, which is a, a <laughs> classic, like one of the most quotable well. movies of all time. And I would kick myself in the ass if I didn't get to ask you about that experience. I'm so glad. And just, uh, I mean, for that to be your launching point and, and it to be one of the greatest movies, in my opinion, of all time. It's a good movie. I love that movie. But the th- it was, I don't know. It was hardly like, I, didn't, I don't even say anything in that movie. It was my first <laughs> movie. Um, I, we had lines, like the older guys in the, in the fraternity had lines. But... Um, they tested it for audiences and the audiences just didn't get it. They were like, why are these old people here? So what? is it re- <laughs> what's is there- a bald guy in a fraternity again? <laughs> and what's, why is he t- talking? So they just cut all of our words. So when people recognize you, what is the common, like, like that? Oh, is it, you know, from ballers or is it from oh, daily show or obviously hot tub time machine is, I would, that'd be my pick for the most. I, I get think. probably like, Lugal more than anything. I, yeah, that's that, what we were talking about. In the I'll hear that like being <laughs> yes. yelled across the street at me, um, and then. Uh, but you know, it's weird. Like I, I, I'll, I'll have to admit, I profile people. Okay. <laughs> like if you're if you walk up to me and you're like uh, you look like Alan Alda and you're from the Upper West Side and you you have an NPR tote bag, it's probably The Daily Show. 
if it's, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, between the ages of like 35 and 20, um, normally male, it's hot tub. Um, and this is a weird one. If you're a Latino man, it's usually Harold and Kumar. I don't know why that is. <laughs> you have this down to a science. Too, no, I've is, thought a lot about it. Yes. <laughs> Actually, W was on yesterday when I was working. How many, how many times do you get it from that, that side of the table? That, because that was just the f- first time you asking me right there was the, <laughs> there the first time ever. Not a lot of uh, R.E. Fleischer fans out there. So stepping away from the show, I, I know you're a Sox and Pats fan. Yep. Uh, a lot of success between the both, especially right now. With you're the saying Sox. that like I have to apologize I, to you. Well, I'm a Jets fan. Okay. So I'm not a Yankees fan. Though. I like the Jets. Of course you're not. Yeah, I'm a Jets Mets, Mets, right? Done. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're a New Yorker deep yeah, down. So you know from, the deal. I, I get it. Is there one you enjoy more than the other, or is there a rise that you've enjoyed more than the other? Because mm. both franchises have really bounce back in ways we've never really seen before. That's interesting. I uh I realized lately that there is a part of me that misses not having won a World Series in a way. And that's so lame to say. <laughs> it's so lame. Like such uh, they like the best team in baseball right now and I'm like, "Oh, I remember when we weren't winning. It was more fun." But it it wasn't. It was just different. Now we're kind of the bad, the bad guys. You in a way, are. well, the Yankees are always the bad guys, right? Always root against the Yankees. So, but, um, which would you rather see, though, a Sox series or another Pats Super Bowl? Well, we're gonna get a Sox series this year. I don't, I don't have to worry about <laughs> the that. The confidence. Um, I would like another Pats. I would like uh, Brady and Belichick to win another one together. I think that'd be really cool. Do um, you worry they'll like ride off into the sunset together, though? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of hope the clock is ticking there, uh, so we should you know squeeze in as many as possible because we've worn our worn out our welcome to say the least. Uh, but I love like having been a Red Sox fan my whole life. And they were good guys. They were like practically America's team for a while there. Like the Cubs, you know? It's the underdog. Yeah. Too. We always oh, get yeah. behind the underdog of as course. Americans. Of course. And and I hated the Yankees. Couldn't understand why anybody would root for the Yankees. But then, and I wasn't as big a football fan as I am now. So I was, uh, and then when I was rooting for the Pats, I realized like, oh, this is the thrill of rooting for the bad guys. It's awesome. I love rooting yeah. for the villains. You against the world mentality. And that's how they are as a franchise. It's always yeah. the them against the world. Yeah. And speaking of them against the world, I'm sure The Rock is going to make a movie soon that's him against the world. But what is what's he like to work with <laughs> just on a, a base? Yeah, getting to see someone who went from, we talked about him uh, earlier. He's just He was like just a football player. And then, oh, this guy's going to wrestle. And then it's like, yeah, that's what, he's going to try to act. This is going to be funny. And now yeah. he's literally the biggest person yeah. and thing in the world. Yeah, he, we were talking about it earlier too. It wasn't he was he was in the Tooth Fairy, right? That movie yes. years and yes. years ago. A, a, a long journey from the Tooth Fairy <laughs> to where he is now, like the highest paid actor in the world. That's it's crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I having known him now, uh, I believe it. Like the guy was gonna succeed. He'll succeed at whatever he does. Um, he's just got. He's one of. He's that mentality. Like I, I really envy and then can't stand because I envy it. Like, because I don't have an ounce of that in my body. But your guys' dynamic is so good because of, like... Oh, no, no, of course. Like, oh, no, we get along really well. It's just that, like, I'm like, ugh, of course you're (laughs) you're doing this and this and this, too. Oh, and you have a documentary on this about prisons. Yeah, no kidding. You know, uh, the guy can do anything. He just doesn't get tired. 
So I'm from New York mm -hmm. and I, I was reading up on your, when you moved to New York Yeah, and I know you probably get this a lot because of course the Wikipedia says handing out the Mexican restaurant menus and Mininito. I, I need to ask you about the security guard yeah. job though yeah. at the Met Yeah, is you were like the first like night at the museum. Is that, is that how this was? Or you just, yeah, it, or was was it, like, uh, it was more like daytime at the museum. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, it was a, uh, Basically, um, me and my other, my best friend at the time and all these old salty dogs that have been there for years, they were the head of the security at the time were retired cops and they would give us a tour before, um, we actually put our uniforms on for the first time and got to work. But the guy, I just remember, he goes, he goes, and over here is the European, uh, section. Oh, quick question. Uh, do I have a gun and can I shoot someone legally? And we were all like, no. And he's like, wrong, I can. Let's move into this section. Like, just kept it moving. They're like packing the heads of security at the Met Museum. How is that? Uh, well, they were all like, I think, pretty yeah. hooked up, those yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I think they had friends. How long did that job last? That I think I did for, I only do jobs. I had a ton of jobs in this city okay. before I started making enough money acting. I would only work any job for a year. Okay. And I swear to God, it, it got down to a science where on day 364 and a half, I would do something to get fired from that job. And then I would come collect unemployment. <laughs> okay. So you yeah. were just over it. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, I was not happy. I didn't want to get, <laughs> I didn't want to get settled anywhere. I didn't want to have a plan B. I was working at Goldman Sachs making Great money is like somehow the assistant to the assistant, assistant to the the assistant of the general counsel. So the assistants there have have assistants. Oh, I mean, I believe yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So like, but um, I couldn't believe I was in this position and making a lot of money. And and I was I the on the after a year, the day of, I put my feet up on the desk because I knew that would piss my boss off. Sure enough, fired the next day. Told not fired. To come in. Wow. Not even a Call, warning. Called at home. <laughs> not even a warning. Nope. Do not come back in. That's unbelievable. And I was like, God, it was almost too easy. That's unbelievable. So it, it, we're obviously really excited for the show coming up in a new new setting, which I think brings new cameos. Can you spoil any uh, any cameos for this season? I, Jared Goff already came out and claims he's on the show. Yes, yeah, because he's like it's, it was so local for us. He goes, I would drove down there for an hour on yeah. set, and I, I was good to go. You can probably expect a lot of him over the next couple seasons. Okay, um, but um, oh, Gurley would be great. Uh, Maybe you guys can actually get Aaron Donald. Yeah, well, someone's got to find him. Yeah, <laughs> he needs some money. Someone's got to pay him. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Um, you know, this year, this season, no, like. There were cameos, but they were all guys I didn't like. They're all famous surfers. Yeah, I have no idea yeah, who those guys are. I wouldn't are. know either. Um, we did work with this one group of kids, this like skateboarding collective called um, Illegal Civ, Illegal Civilization. And they're all these like 20 year old kids who are skateboard punks from North Hollywood. And one of them is really ambitious and he's like their leader. And he got a production company he's a director they're all doing movies now and and uh they are playing themselves in this season and they're hilarious that's an interesting dynamic so they're like locals essentially that were yeah brought man. into the show yeah it's local authentic. boys made good uh and, oh it didn't get more authentic than than these guys like if you don't like the smell of weed 
stay away from their trailers. Yeah, yeah. You just accept what it is. Yeah, yeah. They were full on. Has there ever been anyone specifically, I know we talked about obviously Suggs, but anyone specifically that you've really enjoyed working with or had like a weird experience with? Uh, Not really a weird experience, but I would say uh, Victor Cruz was was probably my favorite because I went to UMass. Of course. Too. And so we were uh, were bonding over that. And um, he was just the nicest guy in the world. They're all such nice people. See, that's the best. And that's what people always mix up, too, because we have, obviously, athletes come in here for the shows, and and they're just always not what people expect, I think. No, because there, there is a certain, um, except for the outliers, there is a certain, like, decorum that they have to follow. Like, they wear suits to the games, yeah. and, and they're ra- raised in a way, like, to be that discipline, they are often also very polite yep. and very personable people. So uh, one thing we do on the show with every single guest, we ask them five really random questions to close out the show. Great. And it's called the gauntlet. Let's so we're it. putting you through the gauntlet. Let's run it. All right. These get weird. I'm going to be a ninja when it comes to this. Oh, go. Well, <laughs> this is, this is definitely your arena. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ninja the gauntlet. Number one, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Okay. Uh, uh, obviously. Okay. Um, because you've heard that thing, right? Like... There's basically two superpowers worth talking about, flying and invisibility. That was going to be my follow-up. But that somebody did a story on this. Like, if you choose flying, uh, that means you're a good person inherently. If you choose invisibility, you're inherently not a very good person. So you're, you're, oh, man. He, I'm prepared. I was prepared. <laughs> Rob was more prepped for that question. Yeah. People, like, blindly answer. Homework. We don't get a ton of flying. Invisibility. I mean, with with football huh. players, invisibility is a favorite because X-ray vision yeah, has been be... high up there. Yep. I want to fly. Oh, see, X-ray vision inherently yeah, yeah, bad that's person. A bad yeah. <laughs> I want to soar with the eagles. Oh, that's all right. question two. <laughs> all right, Matt. Go all ahead, right, Rob. The one game that none of your like friends on set can beat you at, whether it's like playing poker. If you guys, you probably don't kick back and play a lot of Madden like a lot of our athlete guests do. But is there like one thing you're just really good at? Yeah, yeah. I'm very good at Scrabble. Oh. Because you know the secret is? Don't play the words. Don't go for big words. Play the squares. Don't play the tiles. Play the squares. Triple letter score. You better put a J on that. So do you, you don't play words with friends then, right? Because people could cheat. Oh, I used to all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I don't, I don't mess no, with that. That's not fake Scrabble. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Old school with the little tiles wow. and the board. All right. Yeah, man. Never yeah. heard that one before. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not, I don't want to brag, but I do have a Scrabble Deluxe at home, which okay. has grooves so the tiles don't move. Well, you know, you that's not a game. Yeah, but I mean, I've been around. I've been, you know, kicking around for a while, guys. Does so. it come on the road with you? Yeah, I yeah. take it everywhere. There is a travel one. I do own a travel Scrabble. You need to be sponsored by, <laughs> by Scrabble. Need, this is the perfect. I'm, yes. I'm gunning for it right yes. now. You're killing it. Yeah. So, Bro or whatever. I, the face of Scrabble. <laughs> uh, Number three. Ladies. <laughs> What's your favorite sports memory? Just one. Because I know you have a ton of championships you've gotten to see. All right, this is a terrible yeah. memory I have. Um, okay, I like but, it's a, but it's a funny one. Uh, and you'll like this one, being a Mets fan. Uh, 86. Okay. The ball goes <laughs> I mean, through oh, Bill Buckner's wow. legs. The whole family is watching. My dad stands up slowly, walks over to the wall. And starts banging his head against it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Any and we're damage? All, we're all silent because it wasn't doing it hard enough yeah. for me to really hurt himself, but he did it for a long time. And we were like, it was just way out of character. Yeah, for him. <laughs> you know. So wow. we were like, is um, which is he is he is he gonna be okay? Is he gonna be the same? 
See, I, I enjoyed that so much because my dad raised me as a Mets fan. I've sure. only gotten the other side of the story, like the right. celebrating of it. So like you, how many, how how these guys so loaded on cocaine could win yes. such a, seri- yes. a series of situations? I mean, every amphetamine oh my God. possible was, there was in like their body. Saturday Night Live in 75 it's, in the Mets locker room. It's unbelievable. All right, Matt, go ahead. All right, next one, buddy. If you're stranded on a deserted island and you can only pick one person to be there with you, who would it be? Uh, can't, can't bring your wife. Yeah, that's true. Yep. My wife would be useless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I would bring a, um, I would bring a, uh, a grip. You know what a grip is? No. So a grip is the guy that like you see him in movie movie credits. Oh okay. yeah. Grip, best boy. You know, best boy's an electrician. Grip is the guy that does everything else. They lug stuff. They can build anything just with 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 electrical tape. Like if you want a res- you need a resourceful person with you on this island and there is no more resourceful a person than a grip. Wow. I know that's not a great answer. I tried to jazz it up for you. No, it's you good. Now do- you've dominated question 1 and 4 more than any guest has. Thank you. I mean the preparation. Why? What did other people did say? You, like uh, J Lo, uh, Beyonce. Beyonce Rihanna would Mills. not be a bad yeah. person to have on yeah. a, on an island. Yeah, yeah Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls uh, is a Yeah, that's I, uh, well. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's. I'm an Eagle Scout. I can yeah. I can take care of myself out there. Yeah, uh, but I mean I I can't build a fort. Dion 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 Sanders brought Jesus, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know how that works. Um, I don't know. It's fair. I maybe for a meal, you know, like have dinner with Jesus uh, just to say what's up. Jesus is just okay with me. Yeah, he's not getting um, out of there. No, nah, but he's not getting, not getting, I'm not going on an he would leave there He'd for just walk days. away. He'd walk away. He'd walk across the water, right? Yeah. And then, but he'd leave. He's not going to like hold you. He better turn something into wine before he goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last one. Rob's too good at the gauntlet. I feel like somebody slipped in these right, questions. I think so too. I want 10 questions. Yeah. <laughs> Next time you're back, it's happening. If you could be any athlete in any sport, who would you want to be? I would be, uh, and can it, can it be any time? Any time. Billie Jean King. Okay. That's Billie Jean I King. I have no argument. No. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I feel like I don't even have to explain it. No, it's, it's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Billy Jean King. Rob, thank you so much. Obviously, guys, check out Ballers. It's airing Sunday, August 12th at 10 p.m. on HBO. Ton of fun. The guy. Wait, wait, what do the athletes say when they're when you ask them what athlete would you be? It's, it's <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. it's always somebody that they grew up watching, right, Matt? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, so they, yeah. you know, does anybody ever say ones? themselves? Michael no, Jordan. It's Magic yep. Johnson. We've yeah, had okay. Billy Jean King okay. before, actually. I wouldn't be, uh, I'd be Bo. Oh, uh, that'd oh, yeah. be pretty cool yes. to be able to walk on walls. Yeah. <laughs> and literally play every sport yeah. if you want to. Yeah. I can do that. I that'd think be, that'd be my number two. Yeah. We have had a Billie Jean King before. So was it a dude? No. Car- no. Was it Carrie Champion? It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was Carrie right. Champion. You know, so. right. Well, I'm the first dude. Yeah. You are. You, I nailed it. You made a lot of landmarks. On I the really, show. Did I, I win? Yeah, no, you won. You, yeah. We have a stick to football winner, folks. The yeah. first one. Get we're giving hoodie, out the stickies. We're giving out the sticky awards at the end of the year. And all right, you might. I want my face up on here, yeah. and it, and I and the word champ under so, it. Something tells me you're going to be sent some hardware, and you're gonna be, <laughs> you're going to say to all your people, "Who the hell is this? What is this? This is garbage." Yeah. It's going to be like yeah. Scrabble tiles that spell out sticky, and Ugh, uh, yeah, it's going to be special. That'd be terrible. All right, guys, stay tuned. So we'll be back scrabbles. after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. 
And thank you again to Rob Cordry for going and hanging out with Connor. I know that that is no fun to do. So thank you for taking <laughs> one for the team, Rob. We appreciated it. Oh, uh, love that dude. Definitely check out Ballers. It comes back on HBO Sunday nights uh, starting August 12th at 10 p.m. So I know I will be watching it. Connor will be watching it. Hopefully you guys do as well. But let's uh, shut this sucker down with some draft on draft questions. Y'all were great this week on Reddit and on Twitter. So thank you for being there. And our good buddy, Anthony Mongaluzzo, wants to know right off the bat, how would you describe the differences between the quarterback and coach relationship with his relationships with other players on the team? And is the relationship with captains similar to what it would be with quarterbacks? And Connor, I think it's it's really different team to team. You know, you have those like the Niners and the Rams where they they are coached by guys who have been very involved with quarterbacks. That relationship's going to be different than maybe like John Harbaugh, who came up as a special yep. teams coach and is used to really getting in there and working with all different types of players. So I think there's always a, a level of trust and an expectation and more communication for sure. But I, I don't know that like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are the closest two people in that front office. That's a bad example. But uh, I don't think Todd Bowles and Sam Darnold are going to have a different relationship than Todd Bowles and Jamal Adams. Bowles is a guy that's going to be hands off and let Jer- Jeremy Bates doesn't even have a quarterback coach. Like Jeremy Bates is the offensive guy in New York with the Jets. So Jeremy Bates is with McCown, Bridgewater, and Darnold all the time. Bowles is going to worry about the overall discipline and management of the team, but he's a defensive guy. And like you said, his relationship was Jamal Adams. So you kind of nailed it. It's a case-by-case basis. Coach relation, you know, player relationships, really, there's so many variables that go into it. And it once again, it's just a matter of what they specialize in. Now, some coaches are more vocal than others, of yep. course. I think we've seen on, you know, various things, whether it was the end of all or nothing that season or just even the clips that the NFL post. Sean McVay is very, I don't want to say in your face because it's not that, but like very personable with his players. And it also goes back to the guys like, what, 32? He relates to the players yeah. a little He's more. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it, it's a great question because there's no one true answer. All right. Another question from Reddit. You guys have really been killing it on there. Uh, sports fiend, which school do you project will have the most players drafted in 2019 based on what you guys have researched from the position groups across the nation, Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Alabama is a safe bet. Uh, I think Clemson will have another good year. Uh, yes. Wisconsin will be like a, a low key third on that. I bet because they've got five offensive linemen, some good linebackers, a good right. corner. Um, yeah. Alabama is pretty safe bet. So. Michigan has some sneaky. Michigan does. C- c- because they're not like besides Gary, it, maybe they're not premium prospects. Right, like Bush and Winovich are good players. Those guys are going to get drafted exactly. Yeah. So uh, when you look at it from that end, it, you know Michigan's going to have the numbers, of course. Uh, you know Penn State has some players, of course. Notre Dame has some players, but it, it starts with Alabama. It really Clemson. does. The, it's amazing. Yeah, and you know Ole Miss might have two dudes in the top ten, so they've got some talent there. Um, Ohio State is obviously going to have of course, good players. Yes. Nick Bosa and, and Draymond Jones just on the D-line are going to get drafted very highly. So uh, it's the same old schools you're used to. You know, We're going to be back up there again. Yeah. Uh, no, no surprises. Yeah, here. no surprises. Uh, not at all. So uh, and here's one from Twitter, and I thought this was a good question. At Rich Pano wants to know, what game have we attended that had the best collection of draft prospects? That's a great question. Uh, for Matt, uh, for me... It was a game we were both at, Matt. That's Notre what I Dame, USC. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good it's one. just the, both those teams maybe didn't have the greatest years. They're both good teams, 
But, I mean, it was littered with NFL talent. And the first play of the game, uh, Kaiser drops back and throws an <laughs> 85-yard bomb to Will Fuller right. coming right towards me. And I'm like, At Jesus Adore Christ. Jackson, I think. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. It was Will Fuller burned Dory Jackson yeah. from Deshaun Kaiser with an offensive line that was all NFL players. Yeah, Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, Mike, Mike Martin, McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that game might actually be up there for me. Um, damn, that's a good one. Texas, Oklahoma, um, even as not oh, yeah. as marquee as it used to be, but um, there's always a ton of prospects at that game. And like going last year, the number one pick in the draft was there. You know, Baker Mayfield and all the talent they had at Oklahoma. Texas even had a lot of guys drafted, even though it was a, a I guess, I don't even know if it's called a down year. It's just who they are now. But uh, that game had a ton of talent. But that USC-Notre Dame game uh, was probably the most talent I've seen on a field. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a ridiculous game. It was so cold that night. That, was, that, that to me is like what football should be like. You know, it was a it was, great game. Yes. Awesome environment. It was cold outside. Um, and we tailgated beforehand. I mean, even when we saw Ohio State come to Rutgers last year, it, we were on the sideline for that one. I mean, Ohio State was an NFL roster that year. And, of course, Rutgers had Kamiko Ture. Yeah. But it's like, damn. Like, you look at Ohio State, and, like, we were even around a couple of scouting guys that were like, that's that's a squad. Like, the look of that squad. Yeah. yeah all no, the talent Just in warm-ups. So, you're like, oh, yeah, shit. You get a feel right away. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a good question, question too. I yeah. like that. I think this year we will uh, we'll we'll best some of those games. I know yeah, we're not ready I, to announce travel schedules yet, but uh, I've heard some of the things you're going to try to do, and I I know some of the games I'm going to try to go to. So I, yep, <laughs> I got a feeling we're going to beat that this year, without a doubt. All right, this next one from uh, at Axel Jansen one. What makes a successful wide receiver in the NFL? What skill set do you look for when evaluating talent? Well, That's a good one. Uh, Matt, I, yeah. yeah, I know you got a lot of thoughts on that one. It, it's, it, I don't think it's just one thing, but you know, obviously the most important thing is, can you catch uh, and not just, Oh, <laughs> it's wide open. Let me catch this. But can you catch in traffic? Can you adjust your body to make catches uh, away from your frame? And some of it's just, can you anticipate where the throw will be? So I think that when you talk about, can a guy catch it's, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think secondarily would be separation. You have to be able to separate and, you don't have to be Antonio Brown out there or Tyree Kill in terms of speed. You don't have to be Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones in terms of size. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to get open, whether it's speed, size, or route running, but you got to be able to get open. And so those are the two things that anytime I watch a receiver, those are the first two things I watch for uh, is just to see that. If, okay, number one, how well does this guy do just adjusting to the ball? Do you look natural bringing it in? Do you, do you struggle? You know, even like Anthony Miller last year is maybe a good example of this, a guy who's not very big but was able to get open through quickness and just subtle moves in his route running. Like he could set DBs up, but I thought at times he kind of struggled to bring the ball in and he didn't have a lot of drops, but he had a lot of bobbles. And so that's something I look at to just how natural do you look bringing the ball into your frame? And, and that can be, you know, a, a pretty big difference maker and a grade for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm trying to run through like my head, some of the different receiver prospects that I've loved over the years. One of the first years I went really in depth with the draft was the Odell Beckham, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans yeah. year. And I think that, and, you know, Brandon Cook, that was just loaded throughout. I think Allen Robinson and Brandon Cooks were in the same class. That was such a cool class because you got such a different prototype of everything. Like Mike Evans was the big bodied, you know, it doesn't even have to separate to catch the ball kind of player. Odell was a completely, Odell was rare, the type of player he was, but yeah. Watkins can win vertical, can win with the ball in his hands. I thought was a really good route runner. 
it's so interesting when you look at you get a feel right away. Like last year, there was a lot to love about Calvin Ridley and Cortland Sutton, but it, it wasn't necessarily the same feel as those guys. So it just you the rounded out game, but you have to be really, really good at something. Because if you're average at all of those things, that's kind of what gets shut down in the NFL more often than not. Yeah. Yep. You can't just be fast. You can't just be big. No. There's a lot more that goes into it. Most right. of the time, if you can run routes, though, you'll fit a system like yeah. New England. Yep. Yeah, that's a very good point. And sometimes it's just and being smart, like route adjustments on the fly. Like if you can master those, that that is makes such a huge difference in your ability to get on the field. Last question from at the Chris Classen on Twitter. How many pieces of your favorite team's merchandise do you own? So oh, I man. do not own a single piece of 49ers merchandise. Okay. I don't wear uh, NFL stuff. Like, I grew up a Niners oh. fan. If I was pushed, I would still say I'm a Niners fan. But I don't, like, I don't own anything. I have a couple Royals jerseys. Yeah, I have. I'm kind of the same as you. I don't have any Jets jerseys. Um... I have like a couple dry fits and then I, the, I have a Doc Gooden Mets jersey that I'll wear to games. I have uh, a Leech Rangers jersey when I go to the garden. I have a I'll Predators the, jersey. Yeah, like hockey and baseball. I like having the classics. Yeah. Uh, football. I'm not a football jersey guy. No, because like you're a grown I'm man. not. <laughs> exactly. It's not. And people, I actually tweeted about this, like my jersey rule. And then people were like, can you explain this? And I was like, I don't wear football jerseys. Like, yeah, it's I just, now I, I, I think one day I'll be a collector of football jerseys when I build like a home office or something like that, that I would frame on the wall. If like to me, like there could be like legendary ones like Jamal Adams LSU jersey. I hope that one day is a legendary jersey. Yeah. But I, I would never wear a football. Right. Jersey. I have an autographed John Taylor. Uh, it's and it's a perfect my, example. It's in my like basement at home, like my basement setup. Uh, but I would never wear it. Like I'm going, yeah, it's just, w- when when we all go out and tailgate at Chiefs games, like I wear a well, it's, I usually like going to Colts. I wear a hoodie. So yeah. If I it's for you, like I'm not I'm not shitting on people. Yeah, yeah, I'm not shitting on people that enjoy it. It's personally not for me. So yeah, take I agree. That uh, but royal yeah. stuff, I probably have the most of. I, would Same say, with me with I don't think mats, I even yeah. have any like Texas Longhorn stuff. I used to wear a hat a lot, like a, a gray Texas Longhorns hat, but I don't even do that anymore. So uh, if you guys want to send me some stuff, that'd be cool. But yeah, not yeah. A- I, like baseball is different to me. Like I have multiple Mets hats and, and Melo like, and I've had this talk yeah. before baseball, like MLB does a great job coming up with stuff for you to wear. I think like NFL Apparently, stuff is so gaudy it. and weird. Like yeah. I have a like a three quarter sleeve Royals t shirt that I just actually just really like the t shirt. It doesn't matter that it's Royals. Like it's just it's comfortable. It looks good. But yeah, with NFL stuff, it's like how big can we make these logos? And I feel like oh, baseball is more yeah. about the town. Like a Royal shirt is kind of like a Kansas City shirt, not you know. And yes, there's like a lot of it's nostalgic. There's I don't know. It's just done differently, and I can't even really explain it. And like hockey sweaters. I absolutely love. Yeah. I think it's a good look. I think it's comfortable. And, you know, I think that should be the iTunes review question this week, too. What is your favorite team merchandise you own? Yes. Whether it's a classic jersey, whether it's a go-to. Like, I, my Doc Gooden Mets one, like, is a... It's so easy when I go to a Mets game. Unless it's, like, 95 degrees, then I'll wear, like, a dry fit. But 
It's just I know that's what I'll wear every time. So if you have something like that, and it could be, don't be scared if it's a football jersey. Yeah. We're not going to make fun of you. Try to change our mind. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. Tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, I would love to hear that. And uh, also, if you have a Bo Jackson Royals jersey, that makes you one of the coolest people in the world. So it's amazing that those are great. All right, man. That is our show for the week. Thanks again to Rob Codry for coming on. Can't wait. Uh, I already get my DVR set to record ballers. So can't wait. I'm going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, because we need more opportunities to see The Rock. He's just not doing enough these days. So excited, (laughs) excited to get a chance to see him. Kind of forgot what he looks like. If you like, you can go to the movie theaters these days and not know anything playing and just go up to it and be like, I'll take a ticket for whatever's playing with The Rock in it right now. And you could probably see two movies like you might you might get the double. They might be like, okay, well, which one do you want to go to? It's um, I mean, good for him. Make that money, man. My goodness. What a career it's been. All the credit in the world. Remember when he was a wrestler? I mean, it's unbelievable. I I bet there are people listening to the show who don't remember him as a wrestler. They know him as a, a movie star. Oh, with that. There are definitely kids that or like never lived through that. Right. Like the rock was like always the classic, like, oh, he did play football at Miami. And now he's now a wrestler and yeah. like he's the best wrestler. And then it became like, oh, the rock's going to try to get into acting. Like, we're going to see how this is. Right. Go. And it was a slower start. And now he's the biggest star on planet Earth. Yeah. He's like the amazing. Forbes, like most marketable person on planet Earth. The rock and LeBron are the two people that we all like are like, yeah, they're great. But like, no, they're like really great. Really they're, great. That's a different so show. Good we'll get into that. They're not just good at what they do. They're so good at so many different things. Yeah. It's so, a lot of fun today. Yeah. It was good catching up. Just me and you. It's been a while. So, I know. Uh, and you got to deal with me in person next week. So get ready for that. Is that next not week? Not on the Wednesday show. On the end of the week. Oh, the my Friday show. God, I got to clean. I will, be in, I will be in Joplin. So get ready. My liver is preparing. I'm ready. I'm going to have to take it easy this week just to get ready for next (laughs) week. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) if if you guys do miss us, Friday morning show, we will continue our college football top 25 countdown, getting you guys ready for kickoff. I'm sure we'll have some preseason thoughts as well. So check that out. Thank you again for hanging out with us for all the good questions on Reddit, on Twitter, on Instagram. We definitely appreciate you all, and we will talk to you very soon. Mm